everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We are so glad you are with us tonight. Um, our theme for this month has been how do you teach multiple learners, which um, it comes with a lot of lot of different scenarios, but that's why we've been having different guests because they come from different perspectives. And so we want you to be able to understand there's lots of different ways to teach multiple learners. And so, um, so we're glad that you are back for this um, last episode of September. And um, our special guest tonight is Leanne Garfus. Um, welcome, Leanne. So excited to have you here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Peggy. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Leanne has a lot of resources, and I'm going to have her share those with us as um, we get started, as she talks about her story. But I first want to start by thanking Bookshark for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. If you want to learn more about Bookshark, you can visit them at bookshark.com. And about halfway through, we're going to um, hear from them as to um, just what they do and how they may be able to help you with your homeschooling. So, um, And I see we are already getting... Um, comments in on our YouTube channel. Um, Cassie says, long time no see. I know I was gone last week. So thank you for coming back. Um, I actually did two episodes a week before. So, um, but um, we're, we'll be back on Tuesday nights now again for a while. So, um, so welcome back. And if you're watching live, we just want you to know that you can put your comments, your questions in the feed, whether you're watching on YouTube, on Periscope, or on Facebook. So um, we would love for you to be part of our conversation. So, um, so Leanne, as we're getting started, I would just love for you to share a little bit about yourself, your family, and your homeschooling journey, just so our viewers can get to know who you are and a little bit about you. Thanks. I am a second generation homeschooler. I was homeschooled back in the late 80s and early 90s when homeschooling was still a little wild and crazy and no one had ever heard of it. And I was homeschooled in Michigan, which was a really dangerous place to homeschool. So we did literally homeschool in the basement. We had a pretend name for our school and tried not to talk about homeschooling so our parents wouldn't get arrested or anything. Right. So it's really strange homeschooling now when it's just the opposite, especially mm-hmm. here in Texas. There are literally no rules. And right. if someone asks your children, why aren't they in school? And they say, oh, because I'm homeschooled. Then they'll say back, oh, yeah, my neighbor's homeschool or three kids in my neighborhood homeschool. So it's just so mm-hmm. common. It's right. like saying, you know, what? public school you are practically. It's that common down here. So Mm -hmm. I have six children from 24 to 10-year-old twins. Um, uh, Three of my children are graduates already and they live nearby. So that's Mm -hmm. lots of fun. I have a 14-year-old that's just starting high school. And then my 10-year-old twins who are different learners because they were adopted from foster care. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it gives you a lot of experience. So you've been homeschooling, what, 21 years, I think I heard you say? That's correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that gives you a lot of experience. And also being homeschooled yourself, it gives you a different perspective of being a student, which mm-hmm. I, I think is awesome. And I'm excited to hear just the, the information you have to share with us. And I love that you, you shared that homeschooling wasn't so free mm-hmm. because I think we think it's always been this free and that people didn't have to fight for that. And um, it's important that we know that homeschooling in the United States was illegal in most states in the 80s. And there was a lot of people that fought for our freedoms. And and so 
yeah, I got to spend, we got to spend a lot of time with those people this last week, Leanne and I did. And, um, so inspiring to, to be around those people that, um, were at the forefront of this homeschool movement. So, so anyways, um, so we're going to get into some questions as, as we move along, but I, um, and Kazu, I'll get to your question in just a second, but I'm going to ask Leanna, um, a question first and then we'll, we'll fill that in. But, um, I just would love to know from you, Leanne, what are some ways that homeschooling multiple learners has not been easy for you? And what kind of lessons have you learned along the way through your homeschooling journey? That's a great question. No one's ever asked me before what's been hard about it. Everyone asks, do you have tips? And you have to try to say, oh, yeah, this is the good parts about it. But no one's ever asked what are the bad parts. (laughs) But it can be crazy. For a couple of years, I had children in all levels. I had a couple Mm. high schoolers. I had a middle schooler. I had a few um, elementary students. Mm -hmm. So that was actually the best time of my homeschooling. It seems like it would be the most hectic, but it was actually the most fun. I think because there was so, so much going on in my homeschool that Mm -hmm. I already knew I'm not going to keep up with everything. (laughs) So I took the pressure (laughs) off myself right away and said, that's okay. We're just going to let this go. And instead I did focus more on what can we do together and Mm. how can my younger students learn from my older students? So to go Uh back to your question, I think the hardest part of homeschooling multiple children is thinking the opposite that we need to keep up with each of them separate. And mm. if there is some truth to that. You want right. your high schooler doing high school level math. You want mm-hmm. to really help your younger children learn how to read. You mm-hmm. have different levels of science, different literature they need to read at their own levels. So right. there are a lot of things. There's, there's also a misconception on the other side that you can just teach everybody together, <laughs> but yeah. you yeah. do need mm-hmm. to stay very separate. So I think that is the hard part is. Figuring out that balance for yourself. Mm. There are a lot of experts and even curriculum that wants to tell you this is how you're going to teach multiple learners. But that's not necessarily true for you, right, Peggy? Mm, Um, Everyone needs to find what works best with their own culture. All of our Mm -hmm. children are unique in their learning, whether they're gifted or whether they have learning disabilities, whether they love to learn independently or they really need Mm handholding. They want to be active. They need quiet. I mean, Mm -hmm. every single child has their own, their own things. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's another challenge that we face is how do we accommodate so many personalities and learning styles mm-hmm. and temperaments and abilities. So that would be another one of the challenges that mm-hmm. I face. And I think the third challenge is dealing with the noise and chaos. Mm-hmm. If you have only <laughs> yes. one child at a time, you can just contain everything to one table (laughs) but you have lots of people then there's quarreling over table space that Mm -hmm. happens a lot with us everyone wants to use the same table even though there's other tables in the house for some reason they all want to use the same table so (laughs) table space room space noise i want it to be quiet in here while i'm sitting in my favorite chair well we're going to be teaching if you moved somewhere else then it would be quiet but i want to sit in this chair so Mm -hmm. things like that there's a little bit of give and take so that Uh would be the third difficulty i think 
Yeah. Yeah. So how have you navigated around those things with your kids? <laughs> a lot of saying, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I think teaching multiple students is just another aspect of living in a larger family. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, and sometimes when we are adults, we can kind of tell some other adults were only children. There's just something yes. about the way they relate to others mm. or what they're, what they automatically expect in a conversation mm. or in a working environment. Yeah. Um, which is both good and bad. It has drawbacks mm. and it has a lot of pros because they're very high achieving usually mm. and they mm-hmm. really, um, are driven and achieve a lot. They do a lot of great and we can learn a lot from, from only children. So I don't want to say that I'm disparaging that at all, but mm-hmm. those who have grown up in a larger family, uh, yeah. they learn some out of necessity, collaboration, compromise, yes. um, mm-hmm. uh, high tolerance for noise and discomfort. There are some mm-hmm. of these things that are natural rules that we need to learn anyway. Yeah. So allowing our children um, in those chaotic situations, allowing them a choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can sit in your favorite chair while I'm teaching your brother how to read. Or mm-hmm. if you want quiet, you can go lay on your bed while you do your work. So you make the choice. Right. So teaching them to make choices and give something up for mm-hmm. what they want. Um, also teaching them patience with each other. That's really hard too, because it's easy to become impatient in a lesson that they're doing together Mm -hmm. and impatient with their questions. Or I have a son actually who is, who is impatient with the feedback that, or the input that his younger Hmm. siblings has. He, they all discuss history together. Mm-hmm. But they've read different books. They've learned on their own levels and they have mm-hmm. their own unique perspectives because of the different materials they've used. Right. So my older son, when he's discussing history, you know, he is, um, I love him very much, but he's a know-it-all. And it's <laughs> a problem because everything he, everything he reads, he remembers. He oh, has yes. an amazing mm-hmm. memory. So when someone else wants to tell the story from their perspective or what mm-hmm. they think happened during that historic event, he has no patience to listen to it. He has Mm -hmm. no patience because he has all the details and his way is the only way of looking at it. So this is another lesson that he's learning and that I really want to work on with him. It's more important than him listening to someone else's opinion of the war of 1812. More Mm. important than that is his learning to respect others time, to -hmm. respect others' opinions and to listen to people younger than yourself. That's um, kind of an important but difficult lesson for homeschool students, I think. They want to respect their older siblings to a certain extent Mm -hmm. and their parents and other authorities, but waiting Mm -hmm. and respecting siblings that are younger is a harder lesson, but really key to working together. Yeah. 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 Our older students can get really frustrated. And I, I think I've even heard from parents too, you know, they, they feel like, especially what they have, a child with a, with a disability and they're, they're bringing those siblings along that they're almost at a disadvantage for that older student. But from your perspective, you know, and just what you've been sharing, that's a good advantage. It's preparing them with lessons that we can't fabricate in a textbook. Those are things that just, you know, it's, it's a, 
you choose A or B, both of them are going to hurt. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way it is. Instead of, you know, well, you either can take the, the you know, discomfort or you can just get out of it. And um, unfortunately, I think we want we want that get out of it for our kids um, too much because it doesn't prepare them for some things in life. So, yeah, love that. And um, yeah, and just the whole thing with um, learning to listen. I mean, we look at job skills, you know, later on in life and that's an advantage to be able to, to listen to other people's opinions and, and be able to, to synthesize that into what you're thinking, whether they're younger or older. Um, I think we live in a society where I have my opinion and if you don't agree with me, then I'm not going to agree with you instead of learning to listen and compromise and see things from other people's points of view. So job skills is a really great way of looking at that. Peggy, I got to talk with you a little bit when we met last week about mm -hmm. my new diagnosis of learning issues in one of my children. And I, um, for our new friends who are listening that don't know me as well, my older four children, my bio children, um, were exceptional learners on the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. They're very independent. They don't need to have things explained very much. They're quick learners. So it was relatively easy. I had different problems with them <laughs> than yes. I do with my two children who were adopted, didn't grow up for those first um, critical years, didn't grow up having their little brains nurtured properly. Mm -hmm. So they missed a lot of, um, a lot of development that they needed. Mm -hmm. And even now I've had them for four years, there's just no catching up on some things I'm learning. Yeah. So to go back to your job skills thing, I look into their future and of course we don't know what God's going to do in their future mm -hmm. or how, you know, they might take off in a few years in their abilities. But looking, right. you know, if you extrapolate from their current progress, I think they're not going to get scholarships to private universities like their siblings did. What are we going to do with them? How can I uh -huh. prepare them for a different future than mm -hmm. I'm accustomed to preparing for when I was a student and helping my other students? But I love what you said about job skills. They are learning job skills by learning how to learn at their own pace by learning to listen to other people mm -hmm. and understand what they're saying and apply that to their lives by right. learning how to learn not only from their mother helping them, mm -hmm. but also from other people, from siblings who will later be like colleagues around them. Right. So yeah. I like how you said that, that it mm -hmm. is an important job skill they're learning that no matter what they choose, what trade or what occupation they go into, mm -hmm. this just experience of learning in a group of various personalities mm -hmm. is going to really help prepare them for whatever God has for them. Yes. Yeah. No member of your family is ever a mistake. <laughs> you know, that it all works together for good. It may be frustrating. And I love how you said, you know, at the beginning of our conversation that you just had to to realize it's just not going to happen the way that you always want it to. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how for moms that have that difficulty with that mental shift of 
this is what school should be like. This is, you know, I was on the phone today with a mom who said, you know, I do morning time and we, we do this. And she was basically copying what her son's program in the Montessori school did. And she goes, but he screams through the whole thing and he doesn't like it. And I'm trying to convince her, you know, well, why don't you try things that he does like and try things until you find what he likes? And she's like, oh, I can do that. Um, <laughs> but, but that shift, that mental shift it takes to, to let go of those ideals and move to the other. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm used to my children um, progressing at a certain rate mm. and learning in a certain way. And I, as a mom of so many, I think I was uh, duped a little bit by my first children uh. because they each did learn differently. <laughs> they have their own learning preferences. They have their own learning environments. They have their own different strengths and weaknesses right. academically. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, wow, I've learned a lot from these four. And uh -huh. four different, completely different people. And I've mm -hmm. helped them. Three of them become, you know, productive members of society and one well on his way. And I'm feeling good about myself. I've got this homeschool thing down. Not only that, but I teach people how to homeschool. So right. I felt like I knew it all and I was ready to teach it all to other people. And mm -hmm. then my two twins, um, they came into our home when they were six years old, about first grade-ish. Okay. And they were a little bit quote unquote behind, which I hate that, but they were definitely not at the same level that I would expect a mm -hmm. six year old to be at for that kind of learning. So, mm -hmm. you know, all optimistic. I start over with basically preschool and kindergarten material with them and thinking this is great. I'm going to quote unquote, I'm again using all the wrong words, but catch them up to where oh, yes. I thought they should be, let alone what a school thought they should be. And it didn't work. Mm. I kept moving them along <laughs> because right. that's yeah. what I do. I move people along and yeah. it wasn't working by the mm. time they got into what we would consider third or fourth grade material. That's when all of a sudden, finally, I noticed this is mm. not working. Yeah. It's and it got to be in math. It was um, I just remember the day we were working on multiplication facts and just all of a sudden it dawned on me. We've been working on these multiplication facts for months mm. <laughs> and I really haven't gone anywhere. Something <laughs> is wrong here. And it took me entirely too long to realize it because, again, uh. I just chug along in my routine and things were going great, I thought. And then I looked ahead at what the next level of that curriculum was going to be like for them. Right. And suddenly, instead of just doing worksheets that were laid out for them with pictures and mm -hmm. and and clear explanations of every problem they were going to do, suddenly the curriculum expected them to copy down the work on their own piece of paper, figure mm -hmm. it out themselves after reading just a short lesson and some examples. So it took a lot. I realized when I looked at it, they have to read words, mm -hmm. understand what those words meant in real life, decode those into numbers, mm -hmm. copy down what it is that they saw on a piece of paper. Imagine mm -hmm. what steps it took to solve that problem. Right. Try to figure out what that problem meant in real life. Write down something, look mm -hmm. back at it and decide, does this even have anything to do with the original problem I had? And I said, mm -hmm. there is no way their little brains can do all those steps. 
I never considered that before with my other children. Mm-hmm. And, and I wish I had. And I wish that I could explain this to every mom, but every mom I get a chance to that says mm-hmm. my kid isn't, is really struggling in mm-hmm. grammar or my child can't spell or my child can't do his math. I say, let's stop and look back at the last assignment you gave him and go through every single thing that child's brain had to do to get to the answer. And when the parent does that, when the mom does that, when I do that, when I Mm -hmm. can't figure out why they're stuck, I realize, oh my goodness, I'm expecting them to do 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. mental things Plus different physical things, whether it's getting your piece of paper, drawing a picture, writing things, figuring out how to spell it before you write it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all these different things a child has to do. And when they're in elementary school and they seemed like they're, again, quote unquote, behind, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that in many of the moms that I talk to and when I'm looking at my own um my own twins who each have uh different learning issues I'm seeing it's usually because there's one or two or five of those steps that are too hard so right. it seems like they're ready because we're like mm-hmm. oh yeah they can copy it down and they know how to multiply those numbers mm-hmm. already yes but do they know how to understand what they're copying do they understand is it right. hard for them to write letters or mm-hmm. are they hesitant to want to write so i mean there's all mm-hmm. these other steps that are going on that often show wait a minute that's the problem so when that mm-hmm. happened to me peggy i said yeah. how can i eliminate some of these steps I said, oh, I don't want yes. my child copying down the work before he does it. That's mm-hmm. an unnecessary step. He can learn without practicing copying things. Right. But that would be a mental hindrance to him mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. all he's going to do is look at it and say, oh, and right. turn his brain off. Then his mm-hmm. brain will turn off before he even gets to it. Mm-hmm. So I need to eliminate the copying. I need to eliminate the long lessons because mm-hmm. if their paper, I said, if his paper takes 20 minutes, that's too long for him. Right. He yes. needs to be able to do even yeah. shorter than what we might think is developmentally normal because he's mm-hmm. a little bit of a different learner. So mm-hmm. take him back. He needs to be able to finish his assignments in five minutes or he has mental fatigue right. and that's okay for him. That's just yeah. who he mm-hmm. is and he'll get better mental strength as he gets older. So Mm -hmm. just taking those different things into consideration, I looked back and said, I have to throw out all my curriculum I saved for him. I have to start over and find Mm -hmm. something that's easier to use. Now, I'm I'm a big proponent, Peggy, that that curriculum doesn't teach students, moms Mm -hmm. teach students. So I've often said you can use any curriculum, just use it your own way, the way the child learns, and that can be a tool that you use. However, there are some tools that are harder to use than others. Exactly. (laughs) And I looked at the curriculum (laughs) I had and I thought, I could you know, mm-hmm. adapt this, but it's going to take me too long and just be too hard. Right. And I want so something that's easier for me. So time and money. Yes. So I started over again with a new curriculum. And what was funny is the author of that curriculum was at this event that Peggy and I met at last week. And so I ran up to him to thank him because Mm. he changed my son's view of math and made it possible for us to move past multiplication Mm. facts and actually keep going in his, in his learning. And Mm. when I'm trying to tell him this, another mom was already talking to him saying the exact 
same words, like the exact same thing. So it was so wonderful that it's not just a one mom thing. I think this is for lots of us with different Mm -hmm. learners that there, there's so much we can do if we stop and think, what is my Mm -hmm. child trying to do here? Exactly. It was probably Steve Demme, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Was. So Steve, Steve is the chairman of the board of directors for Sped Homeschool. So, oh, uh, well, so I work with Steve a lot. It. Yes. <laughs> He's very fun. Um, and, and we love his, his programs. Um, they're, so yeah, I, I, that's a really good way to put it. We can adapt, we can change, but, um, there's a certain point where we're going to be up all night changing <laughs> and tweaking things and, and we really need to sleep. Um, yeah, we covered that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And, and people have, you know, just the amount of time it takes to generate ideas. And, um, but I, I do love what you said about breaking that down. I've never heard anybody so succinctly say that, you know, take it in the steps because that's what special ed teachers do. They, they break things down into steps and then figure out it's called scaffolding. How much support does a child need for every single step? And I love too that you said, Leanne, just take some out. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever your child doesn't need to do, if you're not working in that, you know, I've heard, I've heard speakers say many times, why is your child taking the test at the end of the unit if you already know what they know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other things, smaller things that we, we tend to look over and we, we, we look at it as one process, but it's a set of multiple processes like you were talking about. That's mm-hmm. so important to remember. There are, there are so many ways we can do this in creative ways besides changing. We can change curriculum. We can change the mm-hmm. way they learn, like if they can learn on the computer with videos better than mm-hmm. they, or if they learn better hands-on, or if they mm-hmm. learn better by looking at a book some kids actually do learn i have a child that can only learn by reading a book it's so weird Mm. (laughs) but then but other things we can do is um is by tweaking almost any subjects that they have even just individual assignments someone told me the other day why make a high schooler read every single great novel Mm. When most of them, he's never going to quote, but some of them, if you want them to know the story, to be familiar with it, because Mm -hmm. so much literature references other stories, then Mm -hmm. why not get them a comic book or a movie about it? So at least they're familiar with the story. Rocked my world because I was really like, oh no, everyone has to read the original documents of everything they're doing. Absolutely (laughs) not. So I went out and got a manja (laughs) comic book of Sense and Sensibility for my son to read. No high school boy is going to say, oh, I'm so glad I read Sense and Sensibility. Absolutely not. But Uh -uh. his mom let him read a comic book. Mm -hmm. No, it's thick. I couldn't believe how thick this was. Uh But this thick comic book for literature, he was so thrilled. Now he's Mm -hmm. not going to complain about it at all. So we can make all kinds of tweaks to make things. Mm -hmm. um, And at first we might feel like, oh, I'm cheating my child out of an education. Well, go back and say, what was the point? Mm-hmm. It's the point for him Good. to read beautiful yeah. literature. Well, he does that when he reads E.B. White or when he reads mm-hmm. other authors that he really loves or Dickens exactly. or others that mm-hmm. really appeal to him. But it was the point of Sense and Sensibility was just for him to get used to this romantic style of story. So yes. why mm-hmm. not look at that in a comic book and then move on to other literature? Yeah, uh, that's that's a really good point. Um, it, it's back to why are we doing this? 
Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the, the whole mix when you've got multiple kids, I mean, just evaluating all of that. I'd love to hit a couple questions before we, we hit our, our mid break. But, um, Jennifer had said to us that, yes, yeah, she said you were homeschooled. Um, it was illegal in Texas. I homeschooled my son during that wild west time because we were talking about <laughs> homeschooling in the eighties. Yeah. Yes. Pretty crazy. Um, and then Michelle said, I know what you mean about that mental shift. I started homeschooling my boys this year and I find myself thinking the old way instead of coming up with their own routine. Um, that is so hard, Michelle. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I started off again this year with my routine all written out for them on the wipe off board and brand new, um, chore charts and assignment charts that I ordered personalized for them specially sure enough the first week it wasn't working for anybody and and they were almost in tears and i had to step back and say why isn't this working why isn't everyone following my routine (laughs) it took me actually like a couple weeks to realize wait it's not their fault (laughs) it's really mine i need to go back to doing it their way just like michelle said yeah yeah that's so true and this is a really good question because i i think uh, some people talk uh, have asked about this and it's different in every state I know, but, um, the legality of homeschooling foster children. Um, can you talk a little bit? I know your perspective is from Texas. Were you, were you homeschooling when they were foster or yes. just after adoption? We were already, uh, we were already homeschooling our bio kids when they came into our home. And we did um, adopt through foster care, which I strongly recommend in almost every state in the United States. It's free and mm-hmm. you can take advantage of many other resources and right. helps for your children. So mm-hmm. um, that barrier to adoption is eliminated. Yeah. But some most states will allow you to homeschool foster mm-hmm. children. You have to get permission, but it's really easy. Like, yeah. it's just, is it okay if they homeschool? Yes, sure. Some mm-hmm. states, they the caseworkers might want to see a little bit of their work or mm-hmm. know what it is you're doing just because it's their job to ensure the child is being cared for. So right. it's not like this horrible yeah. um, oversight thing, but rather just oh, another way they're caring for the children. Yeah. When our children were placed with us, it was with the stipulation that they must stay in public school. Mm-hmm. So they did for about six months and then... For the first, the first semester of their first grade year, they were placed right before their first grade year and they attended Mm -hmm. one semester of first grade and then their adoption was held up over some technicalities. So I went to the caseworkers and actually wrote something down for them so she could show it to her supervisors that, hey, I want to homeschool them. You already know that when they're adopted, that Mm -hmm. it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to be adopted. They will be homeschooled. So this is part of the continuity of life. Furthermore, Mm -hmm. they're being separated from their siblings by not being allowed to participate in something the rest of the family does. So by expressing all of that, they said, oh, yeah, sure. In order to to care for them best, they need to be homeschooled like the Mm -hmm. rest of their family. So that really helped me. So that's what I suggest. If you're not able to homeschool, don't let that keep you from getting the child. Get the child in your home as soon mm-hmm. as you can. And then after you've demonstrated a good care for them, they'll yeah. usually work with you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. 
you're under observation that <laughs> during that adoption time and and as you get better relationships with those caseworkers and the guardian ad litem that works with the children, mm-hmm. um, they they tend to go to bat for you and advocate with you. So um, so I completely agree with Leanne. I have 10 adopted siblings. So um, I've seen my my parents go through that and my parents homeschool my siblings. So so, yeah, um, we have. More questions, comments, but we definitely have to take a break. We're going to come back to those right when we come back before we dive into some more questions. So if you have anything else that you want to ask Leanne um, or comment about, um, we'll we'll get to those once we get, get back. So Leanne, I'm going to give you a quick break, and we're going to hear a little bit from, from Bookshark. So um, I'm going to bring up Bookshark here and, and let you know a little bit about them. So, um, okay. And I got to hit that too. Okay. <laughs> so um, one one of the, the Bookshark users said, Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. That's what Dana said. And Tracy said, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It's been such a great fit for our family. Well, we had sped homeschool agree. Wondering how you can jump onto the Bookshark wagon as well. Start by heading to bookshark.com. On the Bookshark website, you can request a free catalog, download samples, and see the scope and sequence charts of what they teach at each level. There's also a blog at bookshark.com slash blog with hundreds of articles written by dozens of authors. Bookshark site just has so much free information on how to teach your kids whether you use Bookshark or not. Another great example is you get a free unit study um, each year, and tr- you can try out the Bookshark way of literature-based learning um, at bookshark.com slash freebies. This um, new unit for 2021 is about volcanoes. And also, let me share just a couple more quotes. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark Language Arts this year. This was the best decision ever. We love how everyone, everything ties together. Can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We're looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program saved our sanity. It's the best parenting decision I've made. We are so much happier now versus the kids starting life, um, staring lifelessly at screens all day. This open and go component and high quality literature for science, history, and language arts is amazing. You can see if Bookshark is a best fit for you and your family, just like these moms, you can visit bookshark.com, get the catalog, and if you put a slash freebies, you can get the free unit study as well. So thank you, Bookshark, for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I'm going to bring Leanne back, and we're going to start with some some comments and questions from our viewers and so um, let me hide that ticker okay <laughs> got some technical issues tonight <laughs> it's just me <laughs> i think i haven't got, a, got enough sleep yet um so um we were talking when we before we started the break about you know rechanging your your mindset and Michelle says that after homeschooling starting this year <laughs> she changes her mind every month. Um, that's pretty typical when you first get started. Um, it's okay, Michelle. <laughs> you'll get into the groove and you'll find out when you're out of the groove. Just like Leanne said, oh, I realized three weeks later that's why it's not working. <laughs> I love Michelle. We need to have coffee. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, And then we have another question from uh, one of our YouTube viewers. She says, I'm new to homeschooling. I'll be assisting my two children who are on the spectrum ages five and nine. Any tips for me? I'll be adding a third child who is on the spectrum starting next year. So 
Peggy probably has much better advice on this than I do, because like I said, I had exceptional learners for my three who are graduates in my high school now. I am just figuring out with my 10-year-old twins how to work with students with learning disabilities, and I don't have any experience with children on the autism spectrum, which I know have really unique abilities. Do you have some great ideas, Peggy? Well, you know, all three of mine are on the spectrum, so I totally get where you're at. Um, yeah, that's it, it, it's different. So diagnoses, this is something that we tell parents when they come to our, um, <laughs> Michelle gives you a heart, by the way. Um, <laughs> but um, a child can have the same diagnoses and they can be very different. So saying that this curriculum worked for me, try it. Um I'd say try it, but don't think that this is going to be your solution. Um, because depending on your teaching style, mom, um, it has a lot to do with that. But kids on the spectrum tend to be highly focused children. Um, they, their brains are explained that they are like a freight train and they move in one direction. They're hyper focused. And if you have a lot of transitions and things that you have to move your child to and from. So quick, let's do this work for five minutes and this work for five minutes. You're not going to get very good results. What you need to do is dive into something deep with these kids, make it active and um, allow them to follow rabbit trails and realize that learning is, um, is something that you do when you you just experience something and and learn from the experience instead of it's a bunch of little tasks that we do all day. Um, you're going to get a lot of meltdowns doing that. Unit studies, I highly recommend. So look into those first, um, see how they work and, and how we, it, there's a lot of different unit studies out there. Some have more parent prep ahead than others. So <laughs> I tend to be the person who doesn't read the instructions when I make recipes. So I got the ones without the instructions. But <laughs> I know for most people that does not work. So just a little bit um, of advice there. So, um, yeah. But I, um, I, I want to dive into one more question. And then, um, then we're going to head back to our other topics because I know we're, we're talking about teaching multiple learners. And I don't want to go off of that too much. Um, but we'll, we'll try to fit in some of these other questions that you guys have as well. But, um, one of our viewers says, we don't do half of what our history <laughs> says to do. We still give in what we need. I love that I can choose how I teach it. I love so, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming you do that a lot, yes. Leanne. <laughs> yeah. Of course, with my first couple, it was like, answer every single problem, read every single chapter of every single book. And then my third child just kind of moved around that when he was in high school Mm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. did the the little he needed in order to learn the material and just move on. And so now I'm more like, you know what? It worked for him. Just, you know, skim this as long as you know the basic (laughs) gist. That's probably all you need to know. That's funny because, you know, they say that about, you know, like your kids when you have the firstborn, everything has to be perfect. You know, you sterilize the pacifier and all that. And by the third one, you just pick it up the floor, wipe it on your arm. And, and so you do the same with the thing with homeschooling. By the time you get to the third, you're OK. Yes, it doesn't even matter anymore. They've worn you down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So, you know, what's your favorite advice to give families for teaching multiple students who are different ages and different abilities? 
Wow. I think first of all is just change your expectations. Mm. It's not going to look if you usually when you're teaching multiple children, you started off with only one at a time or yeah. two at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're really ambitious with the whole twinning thing. But right. <laughs> um, you only started with one or two and then you're gradually adding them and you have your homeschool a certain way when you're first starting out mm-hmm. and you might be skipping merrily through the fields or reading all these amazing <laughs> books on the sofa with hot chocolate, but you keep adding more and someone is kicking you in the face and spilling your hot chocolate and, and ripping up the books and you can't find the pencils and it just mm-hmm. gets worse and worse the more right. children you add to it. So you have to give up that whole idealistic picture you have of what homeschooling multiple children is going to be like. Mm, And you have to quit looking on Instagram and Pinterest. It used to be Pinterest was the enemy. And now Instagram is becoming just as bad. Your morning Mm -hmm. basket time, if you have a morning basket. I have a morning pile of things next to my... (laughs) Next to my chair that is all messed up and I've lost things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I have the morning pile, but mm-hmm. it it's not going to happen. There are some days yeah. I get partially through it and I'm like, nobody is learning anything because one of mm-hmm. my children's attitude is so bad. It's spreading rapidly through the house. Right. So you have to just give it up. The, the mm-hmm. whole idea that we have of, of teaching multiple children is that it's going to be this beautiful time of the older children helping the younger children and mm. everybody discussing all together. That happens like mm. rarely. We have to right. look at that as a treat, like mm. dessert. We don't have it every single day and definitely oh, not it. every single yeah. meal. So it's not going to mm-hmm. happen every subject, not going to happen every day. Once in a blue moon, the stars will align, but we have to just give it up and realize mm-hmm. I'm going to do what each child needs, but even mm-hmm. more, I'm going to do what each day demands. So that yeah. might mean a day of just concentrating on one thing with one child. Mm-hmm. It might be a day mm-hmm. of just tending to sick children with um, mm-hmm. someone mentioned something about teaching a child with ODD over in the comments. It yes. might just mean mm-hmm. meeting your special need or your spectrum child's needs and not even paying attention to everything else. No matter what mm-hmm. your special need is, um, this mom dealing with a child with ODD, the, the advice I would give you, um, most of all is that your child if you don't know what that is, it's oppositional defiant disorder. Mm-hmm. It's common in children from foster care or other traumatic situations. Mm-hmm. And my children don't have ODD, but one of my children has an impulse disorder that can sometimes mm. look very similar yes. to ODD. So I understand that the most important thing you can do, and Peggy was talking about this with me last week too, is remember our relationship with our child and our child's character mm. is the most important thing we're teaching. And this is true for all of us teaching multiple children. When our child needs care, our child is maybe acting up because they need something, um, which is usually the reason they're acting up. They're acting Mm -hmm. up because they need help with their sensory issues. They're acting up because they need help with their learning issues and they don't know how to express that. They're acting up because they have trauma that they're dealing with that they're trapped in. 
Mm-hmm. But that is what we're teaching our children is how to survive. Right. And then so after how to survive, we're teaching them how to thrive, how to mm-hmm. manage their own abilities and disabilities mm-hmm. to learn. Then maybe we'll teach algebra, right? <laughs> but maybe oh, yeah. not. That's another thing mm-hmm. that we're giving up is that look, is that attitude that my high school is going to look a certain way because right. their career mm-hmm. is going or their college future is going to be a certain way, whether we're teaching multiple children um, or not. And definitely mm-hmm. if we're teaching a different kind of learner or a different kind of of emotional and mental abilities, mm-hmm. um, giving up those preconceived notions and putting it aside. That's mm-hmm. the biggest lesson I've been learning, Peggy, the last yeah. couple of years is sure. that even it, things seem to be trucking along for a little while as things come bubble up to the surface, which right. I'm hearing is common with lots of mm-hmm. special needs. It just exactly. bubbles up more and more things all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and that means some days, some weeks, some months, we don't do anything that looks like homeschooling to other people. Right. Yeah. That's, and, and being okay with that perspective that, it, it doesn't have to look good to other people. Mm-hmm. It, it's what's best for my child. It's what's best for our family. And, um, I just remember telling people, you know, that the, just so my boys would not kill each other yes. was the best lesson we learned in our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause as they get to be adults, that's what you want to be over above all other things. Um, and, and yes, the reading, the writing, the math, that, that all comes in its own pace. But we don't have those basic things. And, you know, especially when you have kids who are adopted um, and out of foster care, you, you have a lot of, of things that, you know, just safety that they're not going to be learning if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel like this is an environment where I'm loved. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of groundwork, um, just working on those things. And, uh, and like Kirasu is dealing with those who are dealing with ODD or mm-hmm. extreme autism or other things that are causing harmful behavior, some kinds yes. of mental illness that are causing harmful behavior. It's helping mm. the child feel safe and also keeping the rest of the family safe. So yes. dealing with all of, of that can take, it doesn't only take that child away from their studies, but it might take Mm -hmm. Um, other seemingly more healthy children away from their studies too. And we have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. We have to realize that this is God's plan for our family and God's Mm -hmm. plan for our family may be learning safety and dealing with that for all of us this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one person says, breathing a sigh of relief. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Yes. We're going to speak, you know, just... (laughs) There, like you, like you said, Leanne. There's so many pictures. There's so many images of this is the perfect homeschool life. And I'm sorry, but it's nice to be able to share that that doesn't happen. I mean, those are those little images that we can catch once in a blue moon and then post them on you know Instagram and Facebook and look at us. But it's not the norm. <laughs> I'm, it it just isn't. And I, I love your pile. 
because that's kind of how mine has has always worked, you know, or just shove it in the cupboard and shut the door. Yes. <laughs> so my kids had bins and it was like, how much can we dump in those? And then by, you know, the middle of the year, it's like, what else do you have in there? Because none of your school stuff fits anymore. Right. <laughs> it's socks and toys oh, yes. and trash. I don't yeah. know why there's trash there. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's, um, yeah. And then, um, cake by Lacey. Uh, so thank you very much. You are welcome. You know, there's a lot of good resources on our website. It's bedhomeschool.com as far as, um, on autism. And, uh, I think we actually focused on that for an entire month, um, not right. long ago. So you may want to look back on our YouTube channel for some of those interviews as well. There's was some really good advice from people had had on people like Leanne <laughs> who know a lot. And I learn something new every time that I do these interviews. Um, so Leanne, I would just love, what encouragement do you have for families who still have a long homeschooling road ahead in regards to navigating change, homeschooling through difficulties and preparing students for graduation and beyond? I think it can seem kind of daunting. Yeah, it can. <laughs> and it's funny because we, about a year after our children were placed in our home, our, our newest children, the foster adopted kids, um, I turned to my husband and said, what was I thinking? We were so close to being done homeschooling and I just extended my prison sentence. I wasn't, <laughs> and it's true. I literally didn't think about it, Peggy, which is good that God didn't put that in my mind because they might not have been adopted if I stopped and counted the years. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that feeling that it seems mm. like it's going to last a long time when I'm done. Mm -hmm. I will have taught for 30 years or more. Oh my wow. gosh. I don't even wow. want to think about that. I'm not even that old, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And I'm ready to be done after this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe it. So the question was something about homeschooling for a long time. And then my mind went numb. <laughs> just, just what encouragement do you have? Um, oh. for if you're looking that far out, uh -huh. how do you reframe that? How do I reframe that? Well, for one thing, I'm stuck, so there's nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've gotten some encouragement out of the fact that I do have three grads and mm -hmm. I wish I could give a glimpse of that to other moms because right. I do remember the, those years when I had four under 10 and was mm -hmm. trying to homeschool, um, most of them, it was really hard, hard yeah. work and very exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't making it as easy as I should have, Peggy. I was mm -hmm. putting way too much on my kids and on myself, but I do remember what that's like. Mm -hmm. And it didn't necessarily get easier. I just learned more strategies and developed a wider right. and wider circle of support, oh, to, so which true. makes mm -hmm. a lot like, like you are to mm -hmm. so many moms. But, um, having milestones and celebrating those milestones is mm -hmm. really important. My kids graduated and that's a big deal for them, but it's important for us as moms to stop and think, wait a minute. I got one done. <laughs> I did this and look back and say, I really taught him almost everything he knows that it worked. I actually did this, but no matter what milestone you're next to, I taught my kid to read. He did not know what letters meant. He didn't know what these marks on a piece of paper meant. And now they mean something because right. I taught him that and celebrate when you, 
we celebrate these things for the kid. He's happy he learned how to read. He's happy he learned how to do long division. Mm -hmm. He's happy he learned um, how to solve his first algebra problem. But we as moms need to stop and celebrate. Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. I got my child through his first algebra test. Whether or not you taught it or you made or he did a video lesson or he took Mm -hmm. a DVD, I facilitated that. It was because I was his homeschool mom. I prayed for him. I gave him the resources. I supported him. And now this happened. So I think Mm -hmm. that's the way to keep going, Peggy, is to realize what we're doing. We think, and it's right. God has given me these children. I'm raising them up for the future. God is using me in their lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, all of that is very true. And there are tangible things going on too. We need to make sure we celebrate the tangible things and realize Mm -hmm. this happened, mom, because you did it. You did it. Give Mm -hmm. yourself a sticker. Right. (laughs) Text your friend, put it on Facebook. I taught my child how to do long division. Mm -hmm. Celebrate that. It's not just the child's. That really is Mm -hmm. something for you to celebrate. And you're going to keep having those celebrations all through your homeschool journey. And that will help you go all the way to Mm -hmm. the end. Yeah, because I think we we only look at the end. And Mm -hmm. that's not, it's so far off that it it just, we don't have the encouragement or enough drive to get, you know, that far, but it's those little steps. And mm-hmm. if we can, you know, if we can look at this, you know, huge thing that we have to climb, but if we only look at the next step, it doesn't seem that bad. Right. I love that advice because it is so important that we don't, um, we don't sink ourselves before we get started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes those little things are like, yeah, my child ate with a fork today. <laughs> Celebrate yes. it. Oh, That's, yeah. For yeah. our special needs kids. Absolutely. There's so much. My child sat still. We literally celebrated. My child did not yell today. Mm. Right. Yes. <laughs> during exactly. this one hour. Now he did later, uh-huh. but my child yeah. did not yell during that one hour we mm-hmm. spent homeschooling and we celebrated. We made a big deal about it to him. Oh, yeah. You did it. You mm-hmm. lasted a whole hour. And then, right. you know, he went and did his own thing. And I'm like, I did it. Yeah. I facilitated this in his life. Now he makes his own choices, but right. I helped make it easier for him to right. do the right thing. So yes. celebrate yes. your special needs um, mm-hmm. milestones as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. Yeah. So got, um, another question, um, creative minds homeschooling. I'll come back to your question at the end. Cause, um, cause I want to answer that personally. Um, but, um, simply me, Laura D on, on, um, YouTube asks, looking to start homeschooling my 12 year old daughter, autistic development and delayed, have no clue where to start currently full-time at home, have one year old too. How do I squeeze it all in? <laughs> <laughs> squeeze it all in. I love that question. You don't. <laughs> Sorry very much, Laura, but mm. not everything is going to be squeezed in. So the first thing is yeah. uh, that I tell all working moms is to find out what it is you can let go. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is 
really important. We have this idea that we want to do it all. And that's a God-given desire we have to do all we can to use our own talents and giftings and to do everything we can for our family. Mm -hmm. But we're not supposed to be God for them. So sit down. I would... I would really encourage you, Laura, to sit down and and write down everything that you see filling up your time and your efforts and then get a pen and see what you can cross off or you can give to someone else because that is the first thing. And the second thing is limit your homeschooling. Not everyone thinks of that, but you need to have a hard stop. Mm-hmm. We have a hard stop at noon. We will, mm-hmm. we will homeschool from whenever we can get started in the morning, which is usually mm-hmm. around 9.30 ish. We, mm-hmm. and we will homeschool until noon and we stop wherever we are, even if it's in the middle of a lesson. We're done. It's lunchtime. Yep. We mm-hmm. don't want to prolong this. Homeschooling right. will always be there tomorrow or next mm-hmm. month when things settle down and you're ready for the next part of it. So that's, that's my two pieces of advice. Get yeah. rid of some things in okay. your life and have a hard stop so you don't let things get out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she says on top of that, you know, she seems to listen better to teachers in school than to me. You know, I, I just, I caught the preview of Homeschool Rocked. Um, It's a movie that's going to be coming out soon. Mm -hmm. And the basic message is our system has taught our children Mm -hmm. that parents don't know anything. Yes. You've got to reframe that in your house. Um, Did you have any trouble with that with your twins at all? No, they have, they do have reactive attachment disorder, which is Mm -hmm. slightly different. They're working on what is proper attachment, but because they were so young, they weren't really Mm -hmm. at the questioning age that you get in preteens. But here's another thing is, um, Laura, part of this, yes, part of it is from being in school. And part of it also is the age. Mm -hmm. Your child has this God given growth into independence, which um, they Mm -hmm. don't know how to do respectfully. But it's part of just becoming an adult. She's not always going to be at home. She's not always going to be listening to you for every little thing in her life. So Mm -hmm. it's part of growing up that that she has this God-given desire to be independent. And we forget that it's Mm -hmm. actually God wants them to do this. But the problem is they don't do it properly. They're not respectful. They Mm -hmm. don't ask questions. They don't listen. And so um, they don't take advice at all at that age. So they they push against and they mm-hmm. really will push hardest against the homeschool mom than they will against their dad, it seems like, yes. because we're there all the so time mm-hmm. and they see us. She actually does see you as an authority mm-hmm. and she hears you as an authority. So she's going to push harder at you because mm-hmm. she feels like in order for me to be heard in order for me to achieve something in and of myself, I have to push you out of the way. Yeah. So this is definitely one of those, another one of those issues, like everything else that we teach in a large family or in a special needs family that dealing with the heart issues and dealing Mm -hmm. with these little lessons, so much more important than the pre-algebra she's starting. Yes. That's I love that answer because I've gone through it with every one of my kids and I I can hear it in your answer that you have too. Oh my gosh. I had one boy that literally shook his fist. He would literally Mm. shake his fist and say, I will not obey you. Oh my gosh. I am a very strong-willed person. I mean, that would sense 
steam out my ears. So obviously he's strong-willed. I'm strong-willed. It was like World War III around here all the time. So that's another time that sometimes we need to know, Laura, when to step back and, mm-hmm. and call a truce or ceasefire, at least. Call a yeah. ceasefire and say, when mm-hmm. dad comes home, we'll talk to him about this. Whether it's, we'll talk to him yes. about this lesson. We'll mm-hmm. talk to him about these chores. We'll just, yeah. do, we need a neutral third party to mm-hmm. arbitrate this. And sometimes yeah. that really helps. I just gave up with him and said, I will give you your assignments. I will answer any questions. Whether or not you do them is between you and your dad. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have to awesome. be the bad guy anymore. Yeah. My, my son, my middle one, ended up writing his own curriculum because we could not agree. And I said, fine, this is the law. If you can follow the law in our state and make it fit into what you want to do, his transcript will be accepted at no college. And he knew that. But he chose to do podcasting and all these other things. And yeah, so, but that was his <laughs> high school. He covered all the subjects he needed to require, required to cover. Uh-huh. And yeah, it, 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 it's the relationship that matters the most yeah. with those children. Um, and because if you lose your relationship with your older kids, you're, you're going to lose everything with them. Yeah, you know, that connection. It's again down to what you were talking about, Leanne. It's what, what matters most. What are we, what are we teaching here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, Laura says, thank you, ladies. Um, Welcome, so I, I'd love for you to, before we wrap up, um, Leanne, to share some of your resources and how people can find you. Um, I first have your book. You want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. And I have it right here next to me, actually. Awesome. I keep it on the shelf. Everything you yep. need to know about homeschooling is a 600 page reference manual on answering literally every question. And it's not, don't get all scared of it. People get scared and say, I would never read that book. You're not supposed to read that book. I, I was told Peggy, I wish I had a sticker to put on the front of it that said, do not read this book. <laughs> it's just a reference work and it's really easily clearly laid out so you can quickly turn to whatever mm. question you have. Mm-hmm. And there are huge sections on teaching multiple children and strategies awesome. and things you can do to help make that easier. And there's a whole chapter on special needs as well with awesome. resources and information that you can take advantage of. So that's my biggest baby is mm-hmm. everything you need to know about homeschooling. Yeah. And then and you have you can, a Facebook and absolutely podcast? my Facebook group homeschool made easy. You can contact me directly through there. I always answer everything. And the podcast, it has the same name homeschool made mm-hmm. easy. Just like this, you can come watch it be awesome. the interview live and ask mm-hmm. your own questions every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central in the homeschool made easy Facebook group. And you can find the podcast awesome. wherever you like to listen. Very cool. And then you have a website too as well. That's right. LAGarfius.com. There's a contact form right on there if you want to contact me. And that's where you can subscribe to my monthly e-magazine and find out more information and articles and help for your homeschool journey. Awesome. I got lots of resources and um, just so much wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing, Leanne. I this, just, was um, this was a treat. You yeah. have such such great listeners, too. It's great yeah. to meet them. Yeah, definitely. And I want to answer um, Creative Minds Homeschooling. Are you ready to do a spend homeschool after this year? I'm still here. I'm just going to be done homeschooling. <laughs> so don't don't worry. I'm going to be around. Um, but spend homeschool is actually growing. Um, I'm super excited about that. We, um, we are launching into doing family camp starting next year. 
um, in conjunction with Johnny and Friends, the ministry, we will be launching our first pilot camp in Minnesota in August of 2022. It'll be August 21st through the 26th, and we'll have some registrations up and information about that um, coming soon. So, um, so yes, uh, we're around, and I just hired a COO to join me in partnering and leading Spread Home School. Um, she's going to help be growing our community outreach, um, and I'm going to be working more with our partners. So you'll see some some big changes. Um, we'll be launching communities and um, some more courses and webinars and those types of things as well. So. Um, so you're in Minnesota. Awesome. Because this camp is going to be amazing. I just, I, we are over the moon excited about this. I've already had some people coming in saying, well, can we do this? And we did it. So yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully the model for the camps that then we then release into other states. So, um, so anyways, that's, um, a lot about us as well and everything that's coming up, but, um, you can find out more at spedhomeschool.com. And so, well, thank you so much, Leanne. This has been a joy. Um, we got to meet in person last week and then get to <laughs> talk about homeschooling live uh, this week. So, and I'm looking forward to being on Leanne's show at the end of October. Yes, that'll be so, great. Yeah, yeah, very fun. So, all right. Well, next week we're hitting a new subject. So um, for the month of October, we're going to be talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. And um, with a whole bunch of different experts and people who have lived it themselves, we want to give you kind of the inside scoop, too, of what it's like to have um, some of those disabilities and maybe some advantages that go with them. So, um, so you want to stay tuned for those broadcasts um, in October. And so, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week at the same time as we, we cover those. But um, thank you again, Leanne, and um, thank you for your time. And make sure you check out Leanne's um, resources. She's just an amazing, amazing wealth of information, as you, you've just heard. <laughs> thank you. So you're welcome. All right. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week right here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.